The fifth race of the 2019 Formula One season, the Spanish Grand Prix, pundits predicted that Ferrari needed to win this race in order to get back into the championship fight. Instead, it was Mercedes' fifth 1-2 of the season. Welcome to the Forza F1 podcast. I'm Aaron Jenkins, the editor of Forza Magazine, and with me as always is Andrew Frankel, Forza's Formula One editor. In qualifying for the Spanish Grand Prix, Valtteri Bottas set the field alight with a stunning pole position six-tenths ahead of his teammate. However, the Ferrari of Sebastian Vettel was a full eight-tenths behind the pole sitter, and Charles Leclerc was a full second behind him. This was the race that Ferrari was supposed to come back at, but they were well off the pace from the beginning. Yes, I'm afraid um, things are not looking too good. I mean, we would all desperately try and put a sunny face on all this situation, but um, it really, they really are in, 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 in a bit of a mess. And, of course, what is really frustrating is that at this very same track back in February when they were testing, they, 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 it was, it was, they were absolutely astonishing and and uh, there were some suggestions that Mercedes were maybe tanking and they weren't really going as fast as they could. And having said that, Hamilton was saying, well, we've got big problems this year and blah, 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 blah. But the fact of the matter is that at that point, Ferrari were on top and now they're scrambling to, to get on the podium because as you may have seen Sunday afternoon, um, Verstappen was a very comfortable third in his new uh, Red Bull with a seemingly bomb-proof Honda engine. And we'll return to the uh, winner of the race and the rest of the podium later. But what's even more disturbing, I think, than Ferrari not even making the podium is that the team simply doesn't know where the speed has gone. Uh, Team boss Mattia Binotto in an interview commented that they had brought aerodynamic and power upgrades to Spain, and both of those upgrades worked, but they didn't produce the result they were expected, and the team is just flailing in the dark at this point. Yes, I'm afraid um, when you look at the top speeds um, from the race, uh, Hamilton is more than a second quicker than either Ferrari, and uh, a second in Formula One is an eternity, uh, so, yeah, um, what can we say? Uh, all I can say is that there'll be lots more, uh, many, many more races, and hopefully it's going to come round, it's going to come good. Uh, this team roller is, is, a bit, uh, is a bit threatening because both drivers are in tremendous form, although having said that, um, Bottas, Bottas's nose was slightly put out of joint, he fully expected, after his brilliant qualifying lap, he fully expected to win the race. Um, he blamed his clutch. Some other people suggested that he fluffed it. Don't forget that most racing drivers always blame something else, if at all possible. But the fact of the matter is that um, they let, I mean, how can I say it, um, the lights went out and they were off. And at that point, Fettel made a very, very brave move. And I'm not a fan, I'm not a huge fan of Sebastian's, but it was a tremendous move on the outside. And in a what you might call a classic pincer movement, 
he and Hamilton um, squeezed Bottas between them, and Bottas had two options, either to bounce off one or the other or lift off. And very sensibly, he lifted off. Seb, at that point, unfortunately ran wide and uh, flat-spotted one of his tyres, and that, to some extent, was the end of his challenge. Vettel's going off track in turn one had implications for more than his race, though, because when he returned to the track, he was behind Botas, but he swept over to the right side and cut off teammate Charles Leclerc, who had to lift or go off track or run into his teammate. And all that then allowed Max Verstappen to get by into third. Um, but in front of Verstappen, the Mercedes, both Mercedes simply disappeared. Hamilton initially pulling out almost a second a lap on his teammate, Botas pulling out ahead of Verstappen and the Mercedes were gone. If we hadn't had a pits, sorry, if we hadn't had a safety car about 15 or 20 laps from the finish, we never would have seen them again. And that just sort of sums up their strength at the moment. Yes, I'm afraid um, I got lots of emails from uh, from listeners and also emails from friends all over the world, and they've described this as possibly the most boring race of all times. Although we said that about the first four races as well. So here we are uh, with five uh, Mercedes 1-2s, and I'm afraid that people may just start losing interest because... It really is uh, pretty boring compared especially to what's been happening in other sports because unlike some of these so-called um, motoring correspondents or specialist writers, I do realize that there was a tremendous game of soccer, for instance, between Barcelona and Liverpool, uh, very, very dramatic. And the following day, there was another dramatic soccer game where, again, Tottenham Hotspur beat Ajax. Then on top of it, we had real drama in Auckland, not far from where our office is, um, where the Warriors at the very last minute managed to clinch uh, the Western League against um, the Houston Rockets. So there are all sorts of fascinating, dramatic sporting events which are making this at the moment look silly. I think that a lot of times Formula One suffers from what, uh, former FIA president Max Mosley called being a chess match, which doesn't translate into uh, blistering excitement on track often, but often comes down to technical tidbits, pit strategy, race strategy, stuff like that. In the run of that first corner, Vettel flat spotted his tire, yet he still ended up in front of his teammate, and it appeared he was clearly slowing Leclerc down. Once again, though, we didn't see Ferrari act to let the faster car by immediately. It wasn't until lap 12 that that happened. Uh, is this an improvement over their strategy calls in the previous races, or is this just more of the same? No, I think that um, this poor guy, the new top guy, who essentially is a, an engineer, is trying to do too many things. And to run the team and the politics with the FIA and the other teams and everything else and trying to be on top of the game from a technical point of view is right now proving to be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, this is Bonotto's first time in a, I guess let's call it an external position where he doesn't just answer to whoever's above him inside the company. And we've seen in previous races how Ferrari has apparently bungled its pit timing 
And then on lap 26 of this race, we saw Charles Leclerc pit for hard tires, which was, on the one hand, Ferrari clearly indicating that he was going on to a two-stop, sorry, a one-stop strategy because the tire was significantly slower. So was this was this a brilliant bit of strategy given how the race had unfolded or was this desperation on Ferrari's part? I think it was desperation, just like it was desperation on Renault's part, who also put hard tires on Ricardo's car. And as Ricardo said, since um, they gave away several points, very important championship points. And to talk of Renault for a second, um, the situation is even worse than at Ferrari because here is this huge company. You know, it's easy to forget that they are absolutely massive in Europe. And of course, they're, they have an alliance with, with Nissan, Infinity, the whole thing. And in spite of all that, um, they are languishing just in front of Toro Rosso and Williams. And whilst I'm on the subject of Williams, as I tend to be every single time we report on a race, I'm afraid it does look as though um, my old friend Robert Kubica's days are numbered in Formula One. Um, they swapped cars and uh, first he blamed the car, then the other guy, Russell, tried his car and said, nothing wrong with the car. And he so Kubica was slower again. And there is a, a, a young man called Latifi who is in Formula 2. And the word is that sooner rather later he'll be taking Kubica's place in the team. And much as I'm, I love Robert, I think uh, the verdict is he had a go. He's brave. He's a fighter. But there is a time to try and there's a time to give up. And I think that time has arrived. I can appreciate that point of view, but I wonder whether uh, Kubica brings a level of experience and knowledge, admittedly 10 years out of date, that Russell lacks. And furthermore, Russell um, was a rising star in Formula 2 last year and is now running around woefully off the pace at the extreme rear end of the pack. Is that something another F2 driver a situation that another F2 driver who hopes to be a winner in Formula One um, take up? Or is it better to wait for a better situation to come along? It's a perfectly valid point. Uh, I suppose you could say that we'll have two F2 champions languishing at the back until uh, until the Williams gets going. Because as we know, there is something dramatically wrong with aerodynamics and handling and absolutely everything. Uh, because it's the very same engine that propels Lewis and Valtieri to first and second in five consecutive races. So there is something dramatically wrong with that Williams. It's two weeks and counting until the iconic Monaco Grand Prix. Join like-minded fellow Ferrari owners and fans aboard My Yacht Monaco's 160-foot trackside superyacht for the ultimate bucket list experience. Highlights include gourmet hospitality, an epic trackside setting, and the legendary Royal Charity Party. Only a few places remain available. Email info at myyachtgroup.com or visit myyachtgroup.com for more information. We'll see you in Monaco. 
back to Ferrari. Uh, so at this point, uh, lap 26, give or take, Leclerc is on hard tires. Vettel, who had pitted a few laps earlier, is on mediums. And around lap 30, Vettel came up on Leclerc's tail, trailed around behind him. And then on lap 33, heading down the long straight into turn one, Leclerc actually blocked Vettel and held him behind. This clearly doesn't make any sense from a team perspective, and as we heard during the television broadcast, apparently Ferrari's race engineers didn't realize that the two cars were on different strategies. So it seems to be that the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and vice versa. Um, and of course now with the, um, the Monaco Grand Prix coming up, um, it's going to be particularly embarrassing or important because that really is the most highly uh, viewed race of the season. Returning to the race in Spain momentarily, the safety car was brought out with Lando Norris and of McLaren and Lance Stroll of Racing Point, formerly Force India, collided. Not a dramatic impact, knocked, I believe, both cars out of the race, but we had a safety car for five laps. Um, behind the front runners, the two Mercedes, two Red Bulls, and two Ferraris, we had the Haas cars, Grosjean ahead of Magnussen. At the restart, Magnussen got by Grosjean. Well, yes, I'm afraid I'm, I'm not a great fan of these two gentlemen. They, I've always maintained that they're hot-headed. Magnussen's been known to fall out with several other drivers as well. And um, my... I mean, I've got nothing against Grosjean. I just don't think he should be in Formula One. I think mentally, I don't think he's the right guy. He might be quick at times, but there must be at least at least 10 or 15 drivers, some of them in the United States, in IndyCar, who could jump into his car and make it go at least as quickly and behave a little bit more sensibly, more normally, more maturely, if I might put it that way. Keeping with Grosjean for a moment, um, so he went off track the first time against Magnussen, I believe on lap 57, went off again the following lap. On lap 59, uh, Carlos Sainz of McLaren, who had been nowhere prior to the safety car, got past him. Two laps later, Daniel Kvyat of Toro Rosso got by him. And by the final lap, Alex Albon, also of Toro Rosso, was directly on his tail, but Grosjean managed to hold on for the final point. If you're a tiny team like Haas that showed so much potential preseason but has has really struggled once the season started, I believe they had one points-paying finish in the first four races, how do you reconcile going from what looked clearly to be a 7th and 8th place finish if the two drivers hadn't fought to a 7th place and a 10th place? Well, uh, I would call it... Um brain drain, if you like. Um, two hotheads, um, they think they're absolutely amazing. Neither of them are amazing. They're all right. Um, and um, they just, you know, the red rag comes down in front of them and they believe that oh, rule number one is you have to beat your teammate. Yes, but you should also engage brain sometimes and realize that every single point means millions of dollars. And all they were doing is just, just throwing away valuable points and the, and the money that goes with them. So um, total silliness, total silliness. 
What is not silly, moving on to something that I personally find far more interesting, is that on the 1st of May, which wasn't that long ago, uh, 10,000 people went to Imola to say goodbye to Ayrton Senna 25 years after his horrendous uh, accident. Um, there was a priest, there was a 40-minute service, and just think about it, that 25 years after the event, 10,000 10, people took the trouble to go there instead of fishing or walking or shopping or whatever else to pay homage to their hero. And it just shows that Formula One has had some truly great Senna and Schumacher being at the top. And I would respectfully suggest that Magnussen and Grosjean will never be one of them. Amongst Formula One's greats, of course, is our next race in Monte Carlo. Um, one of the most celebrated, certainly the most televised, certainly the most revered um, circuit on the calendar, but in my opinion, a horrifyingly boring race, almost invariably. Uh, qualifying is exciting because, frankly, you don't have to pass. It's just one man, one car, bravery and horsepower. Um, you mentioned earlier that you thought that you had heard that the Spanish Grand Prix this year was the most boring race. I would argue that it was last year's Monaco race. Well, the wonderful thing is that here we are in the studio and uh, we can disagree and still smile at the end of it, which of course is what it's all about. As far as Monaco is concerned, I, I'll be leaving the uh, United States shortly, going there for something like the 53rd consecutive time. So I know the people, I know the circuit, I've seen all the greats, um, such as Senna and Prost and Niki Lauda and Michael Schumacher. Um, it's interesting. What tends to happen is that when you run or when you come through the, uh, and, and I'm sure we've all seen the guys in the tunnel, and you go through the tunnel at 300 and you come out and you have to break very, very hard for the left-right chicane. Often people run out of brakes and go straight on, but I should point out that in 1955, Ascari missed it and flew straight into the Mediterranean. So to this day, there are divers, um, not so much standing by, but if you like, in the water waiting for this sort of thing to happen. It, it is such a tight circuit, this sort of thing can happen, and there are some huge accidents. I mean, I'm always terrified that bits, for instance, like first up and crash last year, that bits might fl fly into the grandstand, which is very, very near indeed. Um, so far, we've been lucky, and I hope we'll be lucky again. But uh, from a sheer glamour, Mediterranean, yachts, uh, beautiful, if they are beautiful, you can call them that, people from Cannes, from the film festival, uh, which finishes just a couple of days before, it, 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 that is fun, and the pit walkabout before the race, when you have half of Hollywood there, desperate to get in front of the cameras, is something that most definitely does not happen in Azerbaijan or at many other places. I think we are in agreement about the significance of Monaco not being on the racetrack. Uh, in any case, that's our next race coming up. Um, your predictions? Well, I'm going to go for broke, and I'm going to predict... Uh, Verstappen, who seems to have matured 
beyond belief. I mean, I've been hammering him away in Forza magazine month after month, and to his eternal credit, or maybe he reads the magazine, he certainly should, um, he, he's a much matured uh, young man, um, and, uh, and I think he may just pull it out of the bag. It's not a traditional Mercedes circuit. They've been known to lose there many, many times. Um, I think qualifying, as you say, qualifying in Monaco is, is one of the, the ultimate spectacles in Formula One. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And, um, of course, you'll hear all about it. But may I just say how much we appreciated some of the messages we've been getting from our listeners. You know, we've had messages from Canada. We've had messages from Costa Rica. Every single week we are gaining uh, new listeners literally all over the world. And, A, we read the letters, and, B, we very much appreciate that you take the time to listen to us. We definitely do appreciate that, and please keep the correspondence coming. Our email address is editor at forza-mag.com. That's F-O-R-Z-A-M-A-G.com. Check out our website, forza-mag.com, or check us out on Instagram at forza-mag, no hyphen, just F-O-R-Z-A-M-A-G. As for my predictions for Monaco, uh, I can't bring myself to pick anybody besides the Mercedes. They're simply Mercedes track or not the cars and the team strategy and the driver's confidence is just unmatched at this point. So I don't know which one it'll be. Maybe Botas will pull out another insane qualifying lap, or maybe the second place Mercedes when they lock out the front row again, will will pip his teammate at the start, but it's going to be a silver arrows. Well, I would make a prediction that on the first corner at San Devot, not all the cars will go through. I'll be astonished if there isn't a little a little contretemps, a little get-together. Um, someone's going to crash into someone, I think. The good news is that that particular corner is San Devot, which is a very fine church, so they can go straight in and confess for their sins. That's it for this edition of the Forza F1 podcast. We'll see you in two weeks for the Monaco Grand Prix.